Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Marvan, who is the CEO of Veeam, which is a, a P2P platform for SMEs or SMBs uh, based in San Francisco in California. Marvan is from Canada, and we're going to talk about how that works from his perspective in the US, what are the specifics, what are the lessons learned, and also um, you know, how we saw the small, medium businesses uh, coping with the pandemic. So welcome, Marvan. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Marvan, can you tell us how did you get to do what you do and also where you are? You spent a lot of your professional life in the Bay Area, but you know we chatted before that you're from Canada originally, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, I'm based uh, in, uh, in San Francisco in the Bay Area, but I'm, I'm Canadian from uh, Ottawa. And uh, I've been doing uh, fintech for uh, a long period of time. I, I started Veeam back in uh, late 2014. I used to run e-commerce for Western Union. Got into Western Union through an acquisition of a startup I found and sold to them uh, that was called ePillMe. And prior to that, I was in another startup that, that ended up with Nokia. So I, I spent all my career uh, just, you know, going back and forth between startups and very large companies. So Veeam is uh, more uh, fixed on solving, uh, you know, a, a very a large and painful problem, which is uh, you know, how do we move money around the world uh, without relying on bank wire? Because it's a, you know, it's an antiquated system with uh, a fairly um, uh, frictionful experience for both senders and receivers. And so that's why we started Veeam. Uh, we started Veeam to make it really simple for businesses to pay and get paid around the world. All right. So, but if you dive into this and we make it a bit more specific, so you said it's payments between the businesses that are quite antiquated, especially, I must say, in the countries where people use checks, right? Some countries, they jumped over this phase and they go straight to digital. So when did you realize there is a problem? And also, when did you get the glimpse of a potential solution? There's about 200 million businesses around the world. You know, 110 million are all small business. They move about 135 trillion in uh, in US dollars that's all flowing in cross border payments you know 90% of that go through banks so you go to city or chase or wells or you know in, in Europe uh, Barclays and HSBC and and all the big banks to move money around out of that 135 trillion there's roughly about 30 trillion that's basically all small business payments in that market generates quite a bit of money for the banks, you know, some somewhere around 290 billion in fees and foreign exchange. So that's, you know, a large market that, you know, where money all moves around on bank wire. And the issue with bank wire is it's, it's a painful experience for both the sender and the receiver. So let, let me walk you through that. So on the sender side, 
typically, uh, you know, when you when you're paying for coffee on the morning, you, you don't think of the way you pay. You just do it. You know, whatever you have in your wallet, cards, uh, cash, or even on your mobile phone, you you, you pay and you move on. Your your mind is somewhere else. When you're doing international payments, especially business payments, it becomes a lot more complex because you have to plan your day around it. You, you know, you have to collect all the receivers information so the receiver's name and address bank account information swift codes currency pairs you got to figure out the fees like what do you have to pay in uh, fees to send the money and foreign exchange you got to make sure you do it before cutoff times and when you do it you don't know what happens to the money until the receiver tells you hey i received your money same thing on the receiving end by the way on the receiver um, has a hard time figuring out when they're going to get paid because it's not like there's a software that tells them that you know money will be deposited in your bank account on this date. Um, so you constantly have to check your bank account to make sure there's money. And when you find out that money has been deposited in your bank account, you just don't know what money belongs to what invoice because you know sometimes if you're let's say you're in Germany for example and you send you know, 50 invoices and they're in US dollar and euros hitting your bank account. It's actually fairly confusing to the business to figure out which money belongs to what invoice. And then on top, you got to figure out how much do they actually pay for that, for that transaction and reconcile it into your accounting systems to close it up on the back end. So it ends up being a, you know, a, a painful experience. And it's painful because it's, it's designed based on you know a technology that was invented decades ago which is correspondent banking and using right. swift as a as a messaging layer and so you, you know we wanted to change that whole experience and we were not necessarily looking for you, you know a very different experience altogether so the way we architected veeam when you log in and you want to send money to any country like pick a country to to switzerland for example all you do is you enter the email address of the receiver. If you're sending it from the US, for example, you enter the email address of the receiver. The receiver then authenticates themselves on the platform, receives the money. You don't need any information on the receiver's bank account, which is great for security. And you don't have to worry about Swift codes and figuring out intermediary bank account information. Just the receiver logs into the platform. They set themselves up. Uh, and then they receive money. So that's, you know, at, at a very basic level, allows uh, customers to pay and get paid all based on email. You don't need to know anything about the receiver uh, except, you know, the amount of money you're sending and, and their email address. That's great, but I'd like to know what's uh, what's inside the Veeam's black box, right? So how do you do it? Yeah, so we we um, have a system we designed, we, we call it multi-rail, which is essentially a, an algorithm that determines what's the best way to send money. So we, we have five different rails. We use our own bank accounts in a, in a number of countries. So for example, if I'm sending money to, to the UK, you know, I don't actually send anything to the UK. We have pounds sitting in a, in a bank account and we use that bank account balance to remit to the customer in the UK. So that's method number one. Method number two, we use a lot of blockchain and, and using crypto as a cross from one currency to another. So for example, if I'm sending money to Mexico, we use crypto as a as a layer to go from US dollar to pesos, but we cross it on uh, on one of the cryptos. 
And the advantage for that is it allows us to essentially, you know, get into countries, deliver real-time payments with on-demand liquidity, and then you can do it 24 by 7. You, you know, there's no banking hours in, in that world. It's, it's a live 24 by 7 system. So that's method number two. We work with third-party providers. So, for example, in some regulated countries, China, for example, you know, these are more complex markets. So we work with underground providers. We uh, provide them U.S. dollars and they convert to RMB in that case and send it out to the receiver. We uh, integrate into Visa and MasterCards rails to send money real time to debit cards, to the accounts, to the, to the bank accounts linked up to your debit card. And then we have access to Swift uh, also. And so we, um, we're not married to any of the rails. We simply figure out whatever is the best rail for that particular transaction, and then we send it out. So we optimize on whatever is best for the user at that time. Does that make sense? Yeah, but based on time and the cost, I guess, right? Based on uh, size of payment, countries, currency pairs, cost. I mean, there's a number of inputs that determine which way is the best way to route the payment. But roughly from a user perspective, it's really... Right, but uh, you don't ask me 15 questions as a customer, uh, so you, just, you, know, you, you do it for the customer. Yes, we do. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you mentioned Visa, MasterCard it's, and other payment businesses, you know, it's a network business, right? Mm -hmm. And so how did you go about acquiring your first clients and how were you able to scale up so that you, you can actually move the money uh, through using these rails? Yeah. So when we first started, we, by the way, we have about 225,000 businesses on the platform at the moment. So, you know, it's been uh, a long road since customer number one. But uh, we started with customers we know and we have access to. So think of it like, you know, friends and family and uh, businesses that, you know, we uh, have access to from previous businesses I've been involved in to get them to test the software and make sure it works and they're happy with the experiences. And they give us a lot of feedback on how to uh, best optimize the product. So the first couple of customers are all folks we know. Then the first, you know, 100 uh, you're into getting a little bit off help with uh, with sales resources and and doing some you know work on the web for getting customers in and then you know it starts to grow from there and builds on its own and and what's interesting now a lot of the customers that we get are actually coming from the system so customers bring other customers that's a that's the predominant way of of customers coming in through the network. We are integrated into QuickBooks, Zero, NetSuite, a whole bunch of accounting systems that also helps in uh, customers coming in because they like the fact that this is integrated into the context of the packages that they use to run their own business. We've been building it. Initially, it starts with building one at a time, but over time, you know, you, you know, customers bring other customers and then we were focusing quite a bit on partners to help distribute the product to businesses that need it. Right. So obviously, when the customers bring other customers, that's the best testimonial for you that you're getting something right. Yeah. And to build on that, I'd like to know what do you think is your unique advantage if you do benchmarking or, you know, how do you define it up to you? But basically, what I wanted to know is if I'm a small business, why should I bank with you and not someone else, including some banks who actually claim they have specific services for SMEs or SMBs these days. And also, you know, a lot of the card companies 
they're looking for new payment flows, including B2B. Yep. So how do, how do you keep them at bay? So the, the unique advantage here is, is really the design of the entire experience. It's a very, very simple experience to the user. And, that, and that's unique. It's probably the simplest way to send money around the world because all you need is email and amount. It's like 10 seconds to make the payment. And the receiver is the one that's doing uh, some of the work onboarding on the platform. And in return, the receiver gets data and payments integrated together and a better cost structure compared to what they get from the banks. Generally, you know, we, we look for partners, including the banks, to work with. And so we, we find the ecosystem to be one where there's a lot of uh, partnerships, opportunities, and, and, and methods to uh, sometimes cooperate, sometimes uh, work together in the market, and sometimes compete a bit. Uh, and that's, that's okay. I mean, it's a big market. It's a, it's a big world. There's room for a number of players to be in the market. But we, we focus uh, and we're fixated on a, on a beautiful customer experience that delights the user so that the function of moving money around the world becomes something that you don't have to think about. All right. I mean, we're talking about moving the money from one place to another for other people. But how do you make money yourselves? We make money on uh, primarily on foreign exchange when we convert from one currency to another. There are fees uh, for transactions if the payment is domestic uh, or the payment is cross-border, but, but essentially stays in US dollars or like-to-like currencies. We make money in a, on, a, on a per transaction fee. But the bulk of the revenue is um, is really foreign exchange services as we convert from one currency to another. Cool. And uh, well, let me talk about what's going on in this world uh, these days, obviously, and that's the pandemic. How do you see the small and medium enterprises or businesses in America dealing with the pandemic, especially when it comes to the payments? If you you know, have in mind, for example, a mom and pop store or something like this that maybe we're not used to doing payments digitally, even accepted maybe from the customers. I know in the US, obviously, credit cards uh, are commonplace, but still, you know, in many countries, that's something that they were kind of pushing uh, for later because there were huge fees and things like this. Uh, did you Have you experienced already any changes and moving towards more digital approaches or are you doing anything specific to help them to, to basically offset uh, potentially... Uh, as a small, a smaller, uh, you know, foot traffic in the stores and and things like that. From a macro perspective, uh, we think of COVID as uh, you know disruption that ended up um, having an impact on businesses. Uh, some businesses are dramatically affected by it, uh, negatively affected, and some actually uh, have been positively affected by it. Uh, so, if you are you know a physical uh, location that depends on physical exchanges of goods and services, you, you know, this is a tough market because you're the, the, the six feet apart formula uh, makes it difficult to, to operate the, the way you operated in the past. And so that affects sales and, and the ability to service customers properly. Uh, the ones that are online and virtual have done very well. In fact, expanded quite a bit uh, during the pandemic because the buying behaviors have shifted online. Um, Pre-pandemic, uh, users used to start um, offline, and then if there's anything they needed that they couldn't get offline, they would go online. Right now, that behavior shifted where you start online, and if there's anything you can't get online and you still need to go to a store, you would then go to a store. So fundamental shifts in consumer habits happened in the past you know, six months. 
And so that affected the folks that are virtual online businesses, e-commerce have, have done extremely well. And the portfolio of, of Veeam businesses, we index quite a bit towards that segment. So we have a lot of online businesses and e-commerce guys. And so the business have expanded significantly actually during COVID. So, you know, it, it expanded with the market and we're not, we're not the only one. I mean, uh, you know, folks that are in the space like PayPal and Adyen and Shopify and others have expanded quite a bit during this period. So I'd say, you know, the pandemic from a macro perspective created two worlds. One world is, uh, you know, going to take some time to recover, which is the physical stores that require dependency on uh, physical exchanges of goods and, goods and services. And the one that are online uh, are doing quite fine and will do fine for a long period of time. Specific to payments, you'll see also the pandemic had impact on the types of payments. So, you know, anything non, non-present, card not present, anything that sigil is doing well, checks is obviously taking a beating in some markets, um, contactless because you don't have to worry about, you know, any, any of the touching also, also doing very well. So you'll see how it also impacted the actual use of payments based on, you know, what happened with the pandemic. Well, you touched on that. There are some winners and there are some losers, right, in this. Uh, there are, And there are short-term and long-term impacts in this. But maybe it's too early to say, but how do you see the impact of the COVID-19 on the payments industry and more broadly the fintechs? Who do you think the winners are going to be? Let's, maybe let's start with that. Broadly, any anyone that's servicing e-commerce or virtual businesses will do just fine, you, you know, and that includes... Any uh, providers of payments that are dealing with uh, marketplaces, uh, e-tail, e-commerce, distributed businesses, you know, they'll continue to thrive. The business is great and it'll continue to be great for a long period of time. I think anything that, that does with payment processing for physical stores, you know, especially like if you're dealing with like gyms and restaurants and pubs and bars and hotels and, you know, all that will continue to have um, you know, slower uh, economic growth because of the pandemic. Okay, so let's move on to other things and, uh, you know, talk about Veeam uh, going forward. So where are you on your journey in terms of your product development, geographic reach and funding and hiring? You know, you said you've been around since 2014 already, so you're quite a grown-up uh, startup or maybe a scale-up, right? Uh, if you put it in perspective uh, versus where you started or where you would like to be. Yeah, I mean, I think we're uh, in 110 countries, 50 plus currencies. We're beyond, you know, product market fit. We're more into scale at the moment. And so we're looking for distribution, partnerships. That's a key theme at the moment is basically finding partners to work with to uh, to uh, provide the service to the businesses in different markets. So we're fairly bullish on finding uh, partners to work with around the world. Right. So are these partners specifically, for example, for foreign exchange in other countries or or what else? Banks, foreign exchange companies, payment processors, accounting packages, you, you know, folks that have access to a business audience and they're looking for ways to offer a new service to their customers and generate you know revenue along the way. Uh, we, we would be a good partner for them. Understood. And uh, what's the best way to reach you then and, uh, and talk about it? Yeah, so veeam.com uh, is, uh, is the best to sign up online, try it out. I am on LinkedIn uh, as well under my uh, first and last name uh, on Twitter and, uh, and for 
anyone, any of the audiences in China on WeChat. So any uh, any of the methods uh, would would work. Great. Well, thank you very much, Marvan, and good luck to Vim. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.